Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports. Pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of, they have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Well, so again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jim Schlossnagel era begins in college station and their Omaha sized expectations for the Aggies. We're talking all things Texas A&M baseball as opening day approaches, helping us break it down. Ryan Broninger, he's an analyst over at Texags, talks baseball for those guys. And again, guys, some of the best in the business to talk all things Texas A&M. Ryan, 
Appreciate you taking the time. My friend, opening day is almost here. I know you're fired up. And again, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it's a month away or less than a month away now. And it's kind of funny, Chris, that A&M opens up with, against my alma mater, McNeese, where I played college baseball and got my undergraduate degree before coming to A&M to get my master's. So uh, I've got a vested interest in both sides of that one. Is it so a little bit conflicted feelings for you there? I did see that in your bio, by the way. I was thinking, I wonder if the uh, it'll be tugging at the heartstrings, I'd imagine, on opening weekend. Yeah, you know, for a long time, I, I told people, you know, McNeese paid for me to go to school. They thought I was good enough. They gave me money to play baseball there. Uh, and then Texas A&M, I guess, or Texags hired me and now uh, is paying for this house that I've got, the cars outside and the wedding that I've got coming up this weekend. So, yeah, I've, I've got some conflicting interest here. <laughs> so, Ryan, let's dive into it. And before we look at this season, let's look back at 2023. Obviously, the the hype and the expectations were sky high last year after Schloss led Texas A&M to the College World Series, a Final Four appearance, I believe the first one in school history. Um, the SEC took its toll last year, as we all know it does, right? You can be a really, really good ball club and go 15-15 and 15 or – 14 and 16 in the SEC, and I think Texas A&M somewhat felt that they lose in the Stanford Regional. Uh, your take on the 2023 season, year two of the Schlossnagel era, what went right, and more importantly, maybe what went wrong on a season that I think Aggie fans, uh, you know, had those Omaha expectations, and it obviously fell short. Yeah, it's kind of funny, Chris. If you invert the two seasons, right, if you take the, the 2022 season and flip it to last year, uh, and, and do the 23 season back to 2022 where, you know, in, in last season you lose an SEC tournament final and then you lose in the final on the road uh, in a Stanford regional. So you're really nine innings away from holding two pieces of hardware uh, and people are disappointed with that. And that's kind of crazy that in year two, that's the expectation level that Jim Schlossnagel set by going to that final four kind of unexpectedly. And when you look at last year's ball club, they returned a ton of production off of that Omaha team, but it was just missing something. And when you go back and look at it, it there wasn't a culture issue. Uh, there wasn't uh, a standard issue. They, they had some on-field troubles, and I think, Chris, what happened to them last year is they got into a situation where it just wasn't going like they thought it would off the bat, and then they kind of subsequently pressed because of that. And, and throughout the entirety of the season, you just felt like these guys just needed to take a big exhale and, and just have a little bit more fun playing. But, you know, it mattered to them. You, you didn't have to worry about the care factor for that, that A&M team. Uh, they were some diehard Aggies that loved the school and had endeared themselves so much to the fan base during that previous season, that run to Omaha. It just didn't click, man. And, Chris, like you said, the margins in this league are so fine. Like, these weekends are determined by – one hitter or a couple of pitches or a fair foul call that determines whether you win or lose a weekend. So when you have that pressure of playing day in day out, just in this league, and then you kind of heap more on top of yourself because you're not playing to your expectation or the preseason expectation or whatever it was. I just felt like last year's team didn't ever just go, huh, let's go play, you know? So I think they fought that. And then you know, with the base, just pure baseball stuff, you had guys that you thought were going to have big years take step backs. Uh, they had injuries to starters uh, positionally. And then the pitching, man, like A&M went over a month. It was like almost two months without a quality start. 
It's crazy what they did on the mound, and they were still as successful as they were. And then you kind of saw when they did find a little bit of recipe for success on the mound late in the season at Mississippi State and then into Hoover at the SEC tournament, it was like, man, if, if they could if they could bottle that pitching up to go with everything else they got, they're another you know potential Omaha team. But ultimately, they didn't play well enough wire to wire uh, to get there. Uh, and they fell to a really good Stanford team on the road. Um, I was in Stanford at Sunken Diamond, uh, and it was just like, man, you, you looked at Stanford like, man, that's a complete team with the pitching and the the depth of the bullpen and the talent offensively and the just pure athletes they had. And little did I know I was watching a right fielder for Stanford play against A&M that I would be covering playing for A&M this upcoming season and Braden Montgomery, who, who's going to be a huge piece to what they've got going on in 2024. And Ryan, on that note, I want to touch on too, you mentioned the pitching, was just looking at the numbers, a 7-3-7 ERA in SEC play for Texas A&M. It's, it's going to be really tough sledding. You're going to make life really tough on yourself when those are your numbers in the best conference in college baseball. But like you mentioned, uh, hired a new pitching coach, by the way. Schloss went out, took action. Max Weiner uh, added new faces, transfer portal fresh. You're going to say something about the, the well. Staff? They also set a school record for walks last year mm. by a wide margin. So they did have some turnover at pitching coach. That's a very good segue. Nice job. It's like you've done this before. <laughs> Indeed. So they added a new pitching coach and also added talent. Right, the number four ranked transfer class, number four ranked freshman class per D1 baseball, and again, like you mentioned, the number one rated impact transfer and standout. Two-way phenom Braden Montgomery from Stamper. So when you look at the differences, Ryan, let's just say on the pitching side of things from last year to this year, sh should we expect a brand-new-look Texas A&M pitching staff? And what impacts do you think? Again, you cover baseball as close as anybody. Max Weiner, what type of impact do you expect him to have on the pitching staff? Yeah, Coach Max is by all – so he's super young. Like, he's like 28, 29 years old, was the minor league pitching instructor for the entire Seattle Mariners organization, and – has quickly gained a reputation in baseball circles as being one of the brightest young minds in the game. Uh, and he wanted to get out of pro baseball and get into college baseball because he felt like his approach, um, he wanted to work more hands-on day-to-day with his athletes. Uh, his mental approach, with the way he likes to uh, dive in on the personal level with kids, he just thought it was better suited in the college game. And he came highly rated or highly uh, recommended to Jim Schlossnagel by a ton of people in the baseball world. And, yeah, you're going to see, I think, I'm, I wholeheartedly believe you're going to see a very different pitching staff. They brought in, you mentioned the transfers, they brought in an insanely talented freshman class on the mound. Uh, there are some hitters that, that are going to be impact players too, but when you look at the, in, the biggest impacts perhaps uh, roster-wide, they're probably going to be out of that pitching group. Uh, and, and a lot of it has to do with, uh, the the recruiting job that Nolan Kane did, one of the best recruiters in college baseball. Now, you know, longtime LSU assistant was a player at LSU, won a couple of national championships there. And when they had the coaching turnover and Jay Johnson took that job, Nolan Kane kind of went back on the market and Jim Schlossnagel was able to lure him to College Station. And uh, you're seeing his his fingerprints all over this A&M roster in terms of overall talent, especially on the pitching staff. So, yeah, I think we're going to see big changes. And I think, you know, the bar wasn't set super high. I'll just say that. Um, I, I have a hard time believing they're going to set another school record for walks. Uh, and let's just start there, right? Because putting fewer people on base is going to 
lead to better ERAs and, and better outcomes for you uh, defensively when you're when you've got the ball on the mound and when it's put in play. Uh, your guys, your your defenders are just kind of more on it, more more into the game when the when the pitchers are filling up the strike zone. That's been a huge point of emphasis for Jim Schlossnagel and Max Weiner this offseason. Ryan, when you look at the starting rotation, if you had to project right now, obviously we're going through spring practice. Guys are just getting fired up. Opening day is about 30 days away uh, as we sit here and talk right now. What do you project that weekend rotation like for Texas A&M? Are, are their spots solidified or is it up in the air, you know, coming off a year like last year where, again, you, you, weren't, you weren't any better than you were? And it's like it's sort of a wide-open competition. What are you expecting from that weekend rotation? Well, I do have some expectations of what we, what I think they'll, they'll do. But then again, Chris, there's so much talent and there's so much depth on this pitching staff right now that the, the names I anticipate being the weekend starters are going to have to go out in these early season inter-squads and perform. Uh, but if you're asking me to name a starting rotation that would go this weekend for the Aggies, I think returning sophomore left-hander Justin Lampkin would probably get the ball on Friday night. And then after that, I think it's two guys that uh, one was on the roster last year uh, but didn't pitch at all. And then one is a, one of those transfers we talked about. Uh, I think right-hander Tanner Jones, the transfer out of Jacksonville State, uh, was highly regarded when Jim Schlossnagel was able to pluck him out of the portal. Um, had South Carolina, had Arkansas, had Alabama all over him, and uh, the Aggies won out there. And then Ryan Prager, who missed the entirety of the 2023 season after being one of their uh, featured arms in that run to Omaha, he got injured had to get off-season Tommy John surgery prior to last season. He's back, uh, fully healthy, missed the fall, but is now, from what I understand, full strength in his bullpen outings, uh, and they're anticipating big things from him, uh, assuming that you know he kind of ramps up and still feels good and, and is ready to go and uh, log some major innings for this team. Because stuff-wise, mentality-wise, he's a front-line SEC left-handed arm. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, Ryan, as we turn our attention to the offensive side, it felt like it, it seemed like there were so many high-quality freshmen in the SEC last year, which I guess speaks to guys getting on campus early, right, able to make an impact. Jace, I believe it's Lavalet. Is that how you say his last Lavalette. name? Lavalette. Lavalette. Okay, mm -hmm. I apologize. Jace Lavalette, who had a fantastic year, really led the way for the Aggies, hit 287, 21 home runs, 63 RBI. And then that entire team, again, offensively, I don't think was the big issue for Texas A&M, hit 270 overall. You look in conference play, really good there as well, hitting 270 in conference play. So they were consistent uh, led by Jace Lavalette, what are you seeing from the offensive side? Again, like you mentioned, 
you add Braden Montgomery from Stanford to that lineup as well. Yeah, and it's hard to not not to argue that between Jace and Braden, that's as good of a one-two punch in the order as anybody's going to have in college baseball, right? When you look at Bra- what Braden has done over his career in the Pac-12, and then what Jace did last year as a freshman All-American, set the freshman record for home runs in a season at Texas A&M, uh, went and played for USA Baseball, is already being projected as the top overall pick by some publications in the 2025 MLB draft. You know, those get, both of those guys are oozing with talent and are future big leaguers uh, by every metric. And, and around that is where it gets pretty interesting because the Aggies return some senior, some old heads, and, and a guy like Ryan Targotch, uh, who led the SEC in RBIs two years ago when they went to Omaha. He, he actually, kind of under the radar, led the SEC in RBIs. But you're going to feature some some uh, transfers out of the Ivy League and Jackson Appel and Hayden Schott, both old guys with hundreds and hundreds of college of bats. Uh, Jackson Appel made a name for himself in the Auburn Regional last year. He hit a home run to put Penn up. They ended up winning that game and beating Auburn uh, there in the Auburn Regional. He hit a home run in that game to, to really set up the win for the Quakers. Um, and, and, you know, Teddy Burton's a kid from Michigan who was an all-conference player in the Big Ten and uh, hit double-digit home runs for the Wolverines last year at Michigan and Ann Arbor. And uh, so they did a good job of, of going and getting – Ali Camarillo was one of the best players on the West Coast at Cal State Northridge. He's kind of got an odds-on inside track to be the starting shortstop. He's going to have to hold off a kid named Caden Kent, the son of b- longtime big leaguer Jeff Kent, um, have to hold him off there. But that'll be a good battle, two really talented kids with with professional futures, no doubt. Um, but the, the freshman – the, I guess the new face that has caught the most attention offensively for AM is a kid named Gavin Grohovic out of Orange, California, uh, one of the best players out of high school on the West Coast last year. Jim Schlossnagel was able to get him to pull himself, or he pulled himself out of the draft right about a week or so before uh, the Major League Baseball draft. He comes to campus. He's six foot two and a half, almost, I bet he's probably six three. I just saw him the other day, probably six foot three. 225 pounds. Chris, he looks like he should be playing for Mike Elko. <laughs> like the physicality of this kid uh, is not something they're going to have to worry about early in his career. He's plenty strong. He's got plenty of bat speed. He's as good of a prospect coming into college baseball as Jace Lavalette was a year ago. So they've got some pretty lofty expectations for this kid. Uh, he's got baseball in his blood and his background. His dad's a long, long time uh, baseball coach there and, and instructor in Southern California. So uh, if these kids play to their potential offensively, this A&M lineup could be pretty salty. Ryan, 86 home runs for the Aggies a season ago. When we talk about offensive approach, should we expect a power lineup yet again? Do you see more hit and run? Do you see more small ball? What What's the offensive identity? What do you expect it to be for Schloss's club this year? Yeah, I think I don't know how much they're going to run. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their best base stealer is probably Jace Lavalette. He led the team in steals last year at six foot six, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Uh, again, just kind of speaks to what what type of player and prospect Jace is. But look, when when you look around, what the possibilities of the lineup could look like, there's still some battles, positional battles that I expect to go on. But man, Chris, I mean. It, what happens if if Teddy Burton is your first baseman and Ryan Targotch is your second baseman? Well, that's something like 50 career home runs, college home runs, 60 career college home runs on the right side of your infield, you know? And then you look at Grahovic at third base, and you're going, man, there's potential double-digit home run guys, a freshman. Jace, obviously. Braden, obviously. 
Like there's a chance for them to pack a little punch. And I'm going to tell you this, here's a name that nobody is talking about nationally in regards to this A&M baseball team. And I actually talked to a major league scout this morning who was in college station, talked to him this morning. There's a local kid who came to Texas A&M right out of college station high about a mile and a half down the road, just right there. Okay. He comes to Texas A&M as a two-way player, pitcher and a hitter. They don't really know what he is yet. He spent his first year, he redshirted. He kind of did both. He didn't, it was kind of a man without a home, right? Redshirted last season. And over the course of the summer, they decided they're going to try to let him hit. He's a big kid, six foot six, 240 pounds. They said, let's see what he can do with the bat in his hands full time, where he gets to lift weights all the time. And I'm going to tell you, Chris, he took off in a big way. And that pro scout, his name is Blake Benderup. And that pro scout told me this morning, if you didn't know any of the accolades of Jace Lavalette and Braden Montgomery, and they stepped into the cage with Blake Benderup, you would see no difference. You wouldn't know the difference between any of them. And so this is a kid that's going to impact the lineup, probably the middle of the lineup, in a big way, either at first base or as the DH. That's a great segue, Ryan, and my next question I was going to ask you again. We know about the headliners. We know about the mainstays with the Texas A&M Aggies, but who are guys either on the bump or in the box that you think could emerge this year as breakout stars that we get to the end of the season, maybe if the Aggies get to Hoover? We're talking about as key pieces as to why they got there. Yeah, so I think there's two ways I can answer that question. I think there's X factors. Like, if these guys play well – this A&M team is going to be tough to deal with. Offensively, I think it's Ryan Targotch. Had a little bit of a down year last year. As a senior, was just awarded the number 12 by Jim Schlossnagel. That's a very high honor uh, here at Texas A&M. Uh, if he plays and swings the bat to his potential, uh, and he is the in the discussion like he was a couple of years ago for being like an RBI leader in the SEC, that's a really good sign for this A&M team and this A&M offense. On the pitching side, here's a name we haven't talked about who comes with a lot of pro buzz is Chris Cortez, 97 to 100 mile an hour arm, but has just never honed it in and been a consistent strike thrower since he's gotten on campus. Is Max Weiner the key to unlocking his potential? If so, he is a key piece, not only the pitching staff, but this ball club, and he can win you games on the back half. I mean, his stuff is electric. He's just got to get it into the strike zone a little bit more consistently. So, maybe working with Max Weiner, maybe doing some tweaks. He went and trained at Tread Athletics over there in the Carolinas um, over the course of the summer to try to hone in some of his, his pitch shapes and analytics. Uh, so they're excited about him, and they think he's going in the right directions. But it's kind of, for A&M fans, it's kind of like, okay, we, we need to see it in games. It's, it's good that he can do it in the bullpen and do it in fall scrimmages. Uh, but when the lights come on at Olsen Field, can he do it then? But So those would be my two X factors. I mentioned Blake Benderup as a guy nobody's talking about. On the pitching side, they were able to – so they, they've got a, a young right-hander named Isaac Morton, true freshman. They got out of Minnesota. They probably don't get him if he doesn't get hurt his senior year. He probably gets picked up uh, by a Major League Baseball club and signs. Uh, they get him to campus. He's a little thin right now, as most freshmen are. But, again, talking to the pro scouts that go out to these fall scrimmages, they say that's one of the best young right-handed arms they've seen in a while in college baseball. So there is, you know, maybe as he gets lathered up and going in April and May, maybe he starts taking a big stick up. And there's one more man that I just think, I don't know that he's going to lead the team in innings, but I think he's going to lead the team in appearances. And it's a transfer from Arizona state named Brock Peary. He's a submarine right-hander that kind of throws across his body 
So, like, he could pitch to two hitters every night for in, in 30 games. You know, he had 30 appearances this year, Chris. And so, again, a guy that nobody's talking about that could have a huge impact on the outcomes of games and the outcome of these SEC weekends. As you look, Ryan, at the 2024 schedule for the Aggies, we already talked about they open up with your alma mater, McNeese State, for a three-game set. As you look at the rest of the schedule, specifically non-conference, right? Incarnate Word is sort of a fun midweek, right? They've been a fun story. Uh, you do have tournament play, right? Going at the Globe Life, taking on Arizona State, Southern Cal. You got the non-conference game against Texas, Sam Houston there in a midweek. What jumps out to you from non-conference play specifically? I mean, it seems pretty manageable, and obviously you get to test yourself as well early uh, in Arlington. And, of course, that matchup against the Longhorns, which is always a ton of fun. Yeah, I think it's that four-game stretch that you you mentioned that starts at Globe Life uh, there at the 1st of, of March. Arizona State, USC, Arizona State. Uh, it's good Pac-12 competition, and it's going to be indoors, so you're going to get clean in terms of weather. Uh, so you're going to get a, a very good look at what this A&M team has got early on in the season in terms of their overall talent uh, against the, some teams that are going to be in the realm uh, of them in terms of that talent. Uh, but it's that three-game set in Arlington, and then you follow it up there with that Tuesday night trip uh, to Dishfalk in Austin. I think that four-game run right there, Chris, would probably be my, my highlighted bunch of the non-conference slate. Ryan, we talk so much about the impact of Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC in regards to football, right? Because we all know football is king and it's what we love to talk about. But for those of us that love baseball, touch on the impact or how excited you are to have Texas and the SEC. And that rivalry, I'm assuming it'll probably be a weekend series. Like, I, I cannot wait to watch that play out because we know the intensity on the football field and the hatred and we're so excited to see it back this year. But again, for those of us that love college baseball, getting those two programs in Texas and Oklahoma is going to be a lot of fun, especially for Aggie fans as they take on the Longhorns. Yeah, sure. And for me, I've kind of got a special interest there. I coach travel baseball uh, in the state of Texas for one of the largest organizations down here. And uh, I've been doing that since 2010 when I came to A&M and uh, got started to pursue my master's uh, here and started working with the 12 Baseball Academy then when we had – I think we had like 14 total teams. Now we've got branches all over the state of Texas. We've got kids that come and play from Lufkin all the way down in the Valley to San Antonio up to Waco. Um, so it's really, it's been cool to see that grow. But part of that is also we're sending players to all to Texas, to Texas A&M, to TCU, to Oklahoma, to LSU. And so like for me, I get as an analyst, obviously getting Texas back and Oklahoma back to a lesser extent, but still, but getting Texas back on the schedule, that's good juice for Texags, right? That's good juice for the AM fan base. For me, as a travel baseball coach, I get to see more of my kids come back and play against each other, which when you're involved in this stuff at the level that I am, that is the coolest thing that I do. It's like you see these kids, Jace Lavalette, here's that's an example, Chris. I first met Jace Lavalette when he was 10 years old. He was playing for our baseball academy down in Katy, Texas. And at that time, he was a short, pudgy kid that laughed and ran around the field like crazy and just loved being on the baseball field. Now he's 6'6 and 230 pounds and one of the best prospects in the country. So, you know, it's stuff like that. Connor Wigman, who quarterback at Texas A&M, met him when he was 11 years old, playing for our baseball academy. So when you do this long enough, 
you start to see these kids come through the organization and then go out and play at these big programs. Uh, and, and that's that's the most fun, man, is just getting to see them come together um, and, and representing the biggest, powerful, most powerful universities in this state and in this region. Uh, and they're doing it in front of 12, 20,000 people. Uh, it, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool spectacle. Now, Ryan, as we turn the attention to the SEC slate, it, it feels like the way the Aggies perform on the road is really going to determine their success this season, and SEC play specifically, because you look at the road trips at Florida, at South Carolina, at Alabama, who's in the preseason top 20, at LSU, at Ole Miss. I mean, it's it's they could have gone a little easier, I feel like, going to A&M on these road slates or road games, if you will, but you always look forward to playing in the visiting ballparks. Just talk about the SEC slate as a whole, and then again, like I mentioned, man, that road gauntlet it feels like that uh, the Aggies will be facing. Yeah, such is life in this league, right? Because if they weren't going to South Carolina, they'd be going to Vanderbilt. You know, uh, there are very few, very, very few weekends where you can kind of play your C-level game in this league and get by. To me, that will be the biggest adjustment for Texas and Oklahoma, and you know that, Chris, covering this league for as long as you have. You just don't get to come up for air. In, in football, baseball, and softball especially, and now we're seeing it in basketball as well, it's like where, where do you get to play at a mediocre level and win your games? It just doesn't happen. And it's not about going to Founders Park and taking two out of three from South Carolina. That's great. That's all well and good. But then, you know, you may have Ole Miss coming to your place next. Then you got to go to Arkansas. And then here comes LSU. So, like, it's just you don't get to come up for air. And, yes, Texas A&M is a very talented ball club. They're, ninth, they're ranked eighth in the preseason. But they're, like, fourth in the SEC at number eight in the country. So, it's just – it's a bear, man. Like, what do you do? That's why all these – it's – you, you see Ole Miss as the last team that gets in a couple years ago, and they win the whole dadgum thing. And A&M, you know, as, as poorly as they played last season compared to the standard which, which they thought they were going to play, dude, they're a couple of outs away, a couple of balls away from winning the SEC tournament and then hosting Texas in a Super Regional. Like, every team in this league, if they get into the postseason field, they can win it or they can make a run to Omaha. So it's just – you know, it just speaks to the talent and the depth. And, and I know you're you're there in South Carolina, correct? Yes. Did you see how many teams in the Carolinas are ranked? I believe eight in the yeah, Carolinas. Yeah, they could – like somebody was talking about having a Carolina eight in the College World Series. Like, <laughs> how crazy would that be? And so, like, I think it's just this area of the country. You start drawing the line at North Carolina. Maybe Virginia's got a great program. But from Virginia south, and then you just draw that line across the country – Take out the, the folks in the north, uh, and you're going to find, I would say, what, 100 really good baseball teams from that line south. And uh, so you're going to bump into them in the midweek. You know, A&M, they, they play schools like UTSA, who's got a really, really good baseball program right now, Texas State. Those are your midweek games. And, and like, so if you don't show up on a Tuesday night, you get your brains beat in. It, it's just the overall schedule. And that's why they're – the schedule, Chris, is unforgiving yet forgiving at the same time because the people who do the prognostications and then ultimately build out that postseason tournament bracket, they understand this. That's why you'd see teams at 13 and 17 or 14 and 16 in the league sneak in and make runs to Omaha. They understand how hard it is to do this week in and week out. And so 
there, there, you have to have, you have to kind of be above the waterline talent level, right? To be able to do these things, which most teams in the league are above that waterline. But you also have to have a, a fair bit of luck, man. Like the ball's got to bounce your way at some point. And to your point, Ryan, that's why we love it because every weekend's a big weekend. Every midweek is a big midweek. Like you mentioned, there are no days off in the SEC. Now, you spoke on the top 25 in the Texas A&M Aggies. They rank eighth in the D1 baseball preseason top 25. But you mentioned six of the top nine are from the SEC. So you got Florida at two ahead of you, Arkansas at three, LSU at four, Vanderbilt at six, Tennessee right behind you. Eight SEC teams total in the top 25. Nine, if you include Texas, which I'm sure A&M fans don't want to include them, which is fine. I didn't include them when I was talking about it. But either way, though, eighth in the preseason, the expectations obviously sky high. I'll ask you this before we get you out of here. Schloss has gotten him to Omaha once already, and I, I thought that was a fantastic hire. Obviously, what he did at TCU, that program, admired it from afar What's the belief level right now in College Station that Jim Schlossnagel can not only get Texas A&M back to Omaha, whether it be this year or in his tenure, not only do that, but win the whole damn thing? Yeah, I think you would talk to a lot of A&M fans, and if you polled them and said, which of the major sports on campus, both men and women, do you think can win a national championship first? I think the vast majority of them would say baseball because of Jim Schlossnagel and also because of the talent that he's been, he and Nolan Kane have been able to accrue in College Station. And also just the depth of his staff. Michael Early, who's the hitting coach, is widely regarded kind of like Max Wiener as one of these really hot up and young, up and coming coaches uh, in the hitting world. So he's got a really good staff. Obviously the fan base, the infrastructure here at AM, you know, they're in the works to, to expand Bluebell Park. Uh, to make it one of the premier venues in the SEC and in the country. The ball's going in a big direction forward for this A&M baseball program under Jim Schlossnagel. And, yeah, man, I think every year, every coach in this conference is going to sit down in these January meetings with their staff and go, okay, do we got – do on this roster, do we have what it takes from a talent perspective to get to Omaha? And I think Jim Schlossnagel and his staff would answer that uh, in the affirmative – confidently like I, I think this is his most talented and deepest team he's had at Texas A&M and I don't think you'd get any kind of argument from any kind of pro scout uh, or anybody uh, you know a Kendall Rogers or these national analysts who have been out here this fall and watched A&M play uh, in these scrimmages against U of H or even against themselves uh, I would say that this group has got a chance it, it's certainly it's more talented than the year one group and it ain't even close Chris like it, it, they ain't even the same stratosphere in terms of overall talent. So yeah, they can get there and they can make a run at it, but it's, you know, flip a coin with this league, right? They could just as easily find themselves going on the road to a regional like they did last year. It's just, it's like I said, you got to have some luck with this thing. Ryan, is there a better tradition in college baseball than the ball four chance at Bluebell? Yeah. You know, it's pretty funny having played against it and, and been on the other end of it. You know, I'm playing first base for McNeese in the late 2000s, and we're playing at Olsen Field, and we're getting ball five, ball six, ball seven, and you just look up there, and you kind of just put your head in your glove and kind of laugh. But it it's crazy how it does affect some of these kids. And uh, the more the more you dig yourself in that hole, the louder it gets. Uh, and it's it's a fun atmosphere. You know, there are some great venues in this league, some outstanding baseball fan bases. 
but you know, A&M, as with a lot of their traditions, it's just unique. And uh, they've done a good job of making it their own. Uh, it's a very different experience than going to Kyle Field. Uh, but it's all kind of niche to Section 203 and the Raggies and all that kind of stuff. They, they've kind of made it their own atmosphere in their own place but yeah it's fun and it's cool to see especially when they pack the place in for you know a big weekend series or a regional game at tcu coming a couple years ago for that regional and man it was electric in there and the ball five ball six chants were as loud as i've ever heard them so yeah it's, it's pretty cool ryan broninger baseball analyst for tex ags ryan appreciate you taking the time my friend one of the best in the business truly best of luck to texas a&m and can't wait to watch slosh's crew do it again this year Thanks for, so much for having me, Chris, and uh, I look forward to maybe joining you during the season. Get, we'll talk some more. I could do this all day. Indeed, man. We'll talk ball soon. <laughs> all right, buddy. All right, we'll cut it there, Ryan. I will air this on my show Monday. We do a live show noon to 2 Eastern, and I'll run that and tag you, and we'll have clips and stuff from it. But this was awesome, man. Truly, that was a blast. And, and seriously, I appreciate I'm hoping to – I can't guarantee it, but maybe Bluebell Park on the travel list for the spring. I'd, I'd like to get to some venues. So I, Let I us know. Yeah, dude, we'll, we'll have you over. Our studio is caddy corner from Olsen Field. It's right across the street from Kyle Field. Uh, if you go on my Twitter – I took a video from our balcony from with the snow and the ice the other day, and you can kind of see how close we are to all the stuff at A&M. So, yeah, we'd love to have you in. Obviously, David gets you on the show, and uh, he, he may try to get you to host a segment or two. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Well, Ryan, I appreciate it, man. Truly, this is awesome. And, again, congrats. Have a fun weekend, man. I'll be on my honeymoon when you tag me on all these videos. Okay. Gotcha. So gotcha. I'll get them when I get back. Yeah, yeah. No, enjoy yourself, man. Enjoy all right, yourself. brother. Have, have a good one, man. Yeah, man, you too. time inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply